Garrett. Garrett. <laughs> hey, that was the chant last night in uh, with Red Sox last night and Fenway. Hey, this is Mark Carpenter with you on Baseball Biz. And with me today is Brandon Noway. Hey, Brandon, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. It's nice to be back, Mark. And we're we're almost there to where we can preview our Padres, Mets, and LCS that we were wanting back in February. Hey, I'm telling you, man, it's good to hear you back. I, I didn't know. I know since you're at, uh, what is it, Sports Blitz Pod? Yes, it is at Sports Blitz Pod on Twitter. You can follow me there. Okay, so folks, if you're wondering where Brandon is, he covers all the sports. Uh, where you been, man? What's going on? I mean, were, were you on suspension? What was happening? Yeah, Mark had to throw me off the show because I said so. I, I said something. I don't remember what it was, but got a little out of order myself. And yeah, I'm just kidding. I I had stuff I had to take care of with away from the the show with school and life stuff. And Mark, I appreciate you letting me take the time to do that. But hey, I'm back for the postseason. Yeah, those salacious comments, man. They just weren't, you know. <laughs> what can I tell you? But man, I tell you what. I mean, you and I both big Rays fans. Here we are, been watching everything coming up with the American League. And this past weekend was exciting. Uh, I, I, you know, I can't speak for you, but here I was looking for the a world of chaos. I'm looking there and saying, well, what's going to happen next? Will there be a game 163? Who all can potentially be in a wild card? Okay, we got Yankees, yes. We got Boston, yes. We've got Toronto, yes. We've got Seattle Mariners, yes. All of those were viable candidates for a wild card game. And yet, and yet. Only two could be there. So uh, were you watching this crazy? What what did you think? Oh, yeah. I was rooting for chaos the whole way, mostly because it increased the chances of the Yankees and Red Sox possibly being left out of the playoffs. But we unfortunately didn't get that. But it still was very exciting to watch. And the Saturday game with the Rays, I listened to a little bit of what CeCe Sabathia had to say, is that they were just having fun going in there in a game that they didn't need. And we'll open up on the Yankees. And it was a game I didn't even know was on until seven o'clock that night when it was already done. Oh, yeah, it's amazing how some of those games don't get uh, enough marketing attention. You know, I, I think the race took all three of those games in that series very seriously. You know, even in the last game, you while well, we saw uh, Kevin Cash kind of mixing up some of the pitching, bringing in Shane with, I think he had uh, Luis Patino in there and a few others. And, that was a very low-scoring game. Yeah, very low-scoring. Unfortunately, it didn't work in the race favor, but Yankees fans celebrated like it was their last win of the year. Indeed. You know, I, th- I thought they had won a division or something with all the celebration, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Anyway, all that aside, you know, I, my, my heart goes out to Toronto. I, I truly would have liked to have seen a Toronto Blue Jays-Seattle Mariners game, but it wasn't in the cards. So here we go. So we had those two teams coming up, Boston and New York. And they're going to be playing the one wild card game. You've got one chance, boys and girls, to win this or lose it. And who gets field advantage? Fenway. Last year, their home advantage was kind of you know weak at best because, well, there wasn't much of a crowd, eh? <laughs> yeah, and, th- and there wasn't even a home field in the playoffs because nobody played at home. <laughs> yeah, that that was a strange thing. So comparing anything from last year is strange. Uh, but when you're in Fenway, that fandom, that's absolutely insane there, man. They're they're crazy. They're nuts. 
Yeah, the atmosphere there looked amazing, and the atmosphere all around sports and college and pro this year has really taken a step up just because, I mean, you had a year away from all of this, and fans are just ready to let loose with their team. Well, absolutely. And when you're talking about two of the biggest rivals, maybe across all the sports that I can think of, Yankees and Red Sox, there's a lot of teams that say, hey, we, we've got a strong rivalry. But when you talk about Yankees and Red Sox, there's nothing like it. And sometimes it's a little bit scary. Yeah, it's, it's definitely the most marketed. I'll give them that. But I mean, that, that hatred that the teams have for each other just hasn't felt like it's been there since, you know, the A-Rod Veritech days. And it just seems like it's more of a rivalry between the fan bases and the actual players now. Yeah, I have to agree with you about the A-Rod Veritech days. It's, it's definitely different. But going into this wild card game, still the advantage of being in Fenway. You know, there's a couple of reasons. One, you, you and I have talked before about being in Yankee Stadium and being able to hit to the right field porch. And that's always been a nice open spot. <laughs> if you wanted to get a home run, that's probably one of the closest places you can get that to. You, you just got to flick your wrist to, to get a ball out of Yankee Stadium. And I think last night on one of the ESPN channels, they did an overlay of the Yankee Stadium and with Fenway. And it was interesting to see, you know, where you, you'd have a, a perhaps a better opportunity at Yankee Stadium. But the one place you don't have a, an opportunity, a better opportunity with, and that's out there in left field with the green monster. Man, that tall wall really takes its toe, and it did last night. I mean, it didn't take long for it to have a little bit of an influence on the game. We saw it. Yovaldi was cruising through the first through the first couple of batters, and then he got to Stanton. Everybody thought he hit a homer off the bat. I thought he did. It ended up falling short and bouncing off the wall. And John Sterling, the Yankees announcer, I guess he didn't know. He just went on with his home run call, and he's saying how it's a Stantonian blast as they're throwing the ball in. And when Yovaldi gets the ball back, he's like, what did I do wrong? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you've seen it. I sent it to you a little bit ago. Just uh, it's it's just funny. I mean, because it fooled everybody. Yeah, I, I definitely believe it did. I, before we get into all that, though, and, and it, it was it was a crazy moment. And uh, I'll say one more thing about that too. Stanton believed it was a home run. You know, Stanton looks up there, and he does a Glaber Torres. You know, not, is it Glaber Torres? Yeah, a Glaber Torres. So that he just kind of. Slowly walks away. Well, you know, I got my home run here. I'm just going to do a slight trot, you know, across. What? Oh, you know, <laughs> maybe I better pick up my space. <laughs> and just, yeah, it, I'm sorry, but sometimes I think there's a certain arrogance from folks who expect to be hitting home runs. It certainly showed up there. One other thing before I get more into the game, too, I want to give a salute to Gio Urshela for the insane, insane stuff he did on that Rays game the other day to catch that ball, that pop up ball running and getting a basket catch of the ball and had so much momentum on the field, he had to run off the field into the race dugout and was down there for like four minutes or so before he, he emerged and walked out uh, kind of with a limp and still came back in the game. That's the kind of passion a baseball player, I think, that you know any fan would like to see. Yeah, that's always uh, an exciting play. It's also a little bit scary, but Angel Hernandez decided to follow him Follow him over the railing, too, because he took a tumble as well. That was nuts. And I heard some people say, well, you know, I think maybe the Rays should have done something more. What more would you want to do? Get the heck out of his way so that 
they don't have a collision. <laughs> that's what you do. And I, I was glad to see him safely come out of that. But coming back to the wild card game, and before we dig into anything else, I do want to take a look at who were the players in this game. So coming into this as far as pitching, Garrett Cole. Yeah, Garrett Cole. You know, I was kidding at the beginning as far as the chant he kept hearing. One of them said, a derisive chant. Garrett. Uh, he came into this game with, uh, see, what, a 16 and 8 uh, series? I mean, sorry, 16 wins and 8 losses for the year. Yeah, 3.23 earned runs per game. Iovaldi came in, I think he had uh, 11 wins and 9 losses. So, you know, Cole's coming in here without what practically a two for one win loss record. Iovaldi's just got kind of a slim thing here, you know, 11 and 9, it's two games difference. See, end of the year, what do we look? Oh, no, don't talk about that later. But the other thing we can talk about more in depth, too, was Cole was there for only two innings pitched. You know, uh, and, I mean, he's had some difficulties talking about hamstring. Well, how's that hamstring doing, Cole? It's it's fine. No, Cole, how's that hamstring? Well, it's okay. You know, this didn't sound like an athlete who's feeling 100%, but if he was going to take the ball to the mound last night, I, I figured hopefully he felt 100% that he was going to make a difference out there. And, and putting it lightly, uh, he struggled to end the year, and I think you said we're going to get into that later, so I'll save a little bit more for that. But he did struggle going on down the stretch. And when you're paying a guy $324 million over a contract, you expect more than two innings out of him in arguably the most important game of the year. And at that moment it is the most important game of the year because it's, it's do or die. And your, your ace, the guy you, you backed up the Brinks truck to get that everybody <laughs> said that the evil empire is back only went two innings and gave up three runs. And that's just something you can't be having when you have this big of a contract. No. And he, he knows that he owned up to it. He said he wasn't good enough and he felt horrible about it. If he's got to get another chance to do that, because he's going to not be able to live this down if he if he does this again. No, and and he he'll get another chance. You know, you don't have a contract that long or taking that much money without the without a future to you know possibly do better. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Oh yeah, I was just agreeing with what you're saying. I'm Thank pretty you. sure he will get that chance, but still, <laughs> he's got he's got to be able to do better than that. Oh uh, yeah, he, it's it's. Uh, what can I say? You know, who won't get another chance, I'm afraid, is Aaron Boone. Aaron Boone, after the game, press conference, he said something to the effect, well, very proud of what we did this season, all these young men, even if not really happy with the result of this game. And whatever the future holds, I'm glad I was it. Something along those lines. If I, if I can find the – the general message was, you know, he was grateful for everything he's done with the Yankees. It sounded like somebody who was, was walking away, and I don't think he – is walking away. I think he'd like to continue to be the manager of the Yankees, but I don't know if the organization will allow him to. Yeah, I'm with you 100% on that. It it sounded like he just he knew that the writing was on the wall that this is probably going to be it for him. And listening to what John Boy was saying this morning, I saw a little three minute segment on YouTube, and he was saying that it's it's probably time for him to go as well. It's just maybe they just needed a new philosophy, a new message in the locker room. Cause I mean, we've talked about this pretty much the whole 
time we've been doing the show together is why can't the Yankees win in the playoffs? And maybe it's not something we, you can find on the stat sheet. Maybe it's something like, you know, maybe the message isn't good enough. The coaching isn't good enough or just, just the lights are too bright for them. Maybe it's something along those lines. I don't know. It, but you were talking about John Boy, and I watched a little bit of him and his buddies last night watching the game. And, man, it got real quiet real quick. And it, you don't wish sadness upon anybody, but it, it was – it was that's exactly what it was. It was they were very, very uh, muted. I'll say that again. <laughs> Yeah, and which is which is strange and odd for them, but uh, uh, we'll we'll see what happens. You know, it's just that if you're paying folks that much money, you expect certain things as well. You should, and sometimes fates are fickle. Sometimes you know, and, and there were injuries too, Brandon. Let's let's uh, face up to that. DJ Lemayhew, if he'd been there last night, would have made a difference. Yes, JD Martinez, if he'd been there for the Red Sox last night, would he have made a difference? Yes. But I think the greater difference probably would have came from DJ LeMayhew. Yeah, they, they showed a graphic in the pregame show about LeMayhew with and with and not in the Yankee. I'll, I'll, re, I'll re say that. They showed a graphic pregame with the Yankee stats with and without him in the lineup. And I believe they were like 500 without him and they were scoring a whole run less without him in the lineup. So that's a big difference for for one guy and I don't know if it would have been the difference in winning or losing last night but it definitely didn't help that he wasn't in there did I misunderstand you I thought you said they scored a run less with him in the lineup no they scored a run less without him in the lineup oh okay good okay okay <laughs> I, I, wow. I confused myself there in the beginning no I, I like to walk in circles in, I, I, I like to walk in circles so you know I, I wasn't sure okay all right, yeah. So that that made a difference, and we're going to start going back. We'll take we're going to go into the game, and take a look a little bit inning per inning, at least the pivotal moments of what took place, and then we can to dig into each one of them if you like, Brandon. Hang on here. All right, <laughs> top of the first, Nate Eovaldi, former Tampa Bay Ray, takes them out. He's gotten to the point where there's two outs. And who comes to base? Who comes up to the plate? Giancarlo Stanton. And he is always dangerous. Now he comes up there and he hits the ball. And we talked about this moment. It looked like a home run. It was headed up there to the Green Monster. And it actually hit probably within inches of the top of the Green Monster. But it didn't. And again, Stanton, he's kind of doing that poise. Oh, look at that. It's going out. Oh, gosh, it's not. And, <laughs> yeah, the trot becomes a home run trot becomes a, a fast run. And I believe what he only got to when he gets first or second. Uh, it was only a single. A single. So he only got single on that. He's like, you got to be kidding me. Wow. It was just that kind of night for them. Yeah. And, and then, you know, bottom of the first, we talked about this earlier. Garrico just was disastrous night for him and i don't wish that kind of night on anybody you know it was the bottom i think of the first he had a couple people he'd been pitched to then uh rather he pitched to and then xander bogarts came up bam he was at a two and one count and hit a home run it's like the sixth home run that goes allowed at fenway in 17 seasons were excuse me in 17 innings that he's pitched 
that's not very good. No, no. And suddenly there you are at bottom of the first with two RBIs on the board. There's two runs on the board thanks to Xander Bogarts, and you might say thanks to Go. I don't know. It's funny how in the first inning, both pitchers started out the same. They set the first two guys down pretty easily, and I believe Cole did it on three pitches. Yeah. And then the third guy got on base. Was Stanton almost was a homer, but it turned out to be a single. And then Devers got on base. I, I believe was it a walk that he got on, and then Bogart slid off with the, led up led, back back that up with a homer. I forgot how to speak in my last month. <laughs> it, it's funny they both had like the same start, and they looked in control, and then it just seemed to unravel really quickly for Cole. Even though he did only give up three runs, it it wasn't pretty at all after that. No, he he gave up uh, three runs and he had two walks. Garrett Cole recognizes that it didn't work in today. It isn't going well, you know. And the cameras are on, are on him, and he says, "I'm done. I'm done." And I think that was even before Aaron Boone, you know, walked to the mound. So he's in there for about two innings, and then bam, he's out. So what happened? And like you were saying, Mark, after he he said that to his catcher that he was done. He gave up a solo shot to Schwarber, and I believe he was pulled right after that. So that ended his night in the season, ultimately, which is the right move from Boone. You don't have the time and luxury of saying he's just having a slow start. He needs to find his groove when there's possibly only six innings left in your season. Yeah, so this is your ace. You know, he's there, two innings pitch, what, uh, and plus. Four hits, three earned runs. Two walks and three strikeouts. Ouch. And only 50 pitches. Oh, or I, I say only, but he threw 50 pitches in, in two innings. Yeah, my gosh, brother. I mean, it, that hurts. And I know emotionally, mentally, it has to hurt him as well. You know, but, but after Garrett Cole left, it brought Clay, Clay Holmes up for a couple innings. And actually, I thought, uh, I thought things would get better. He, was, he wasn't looking too bad out there. Yeah, he, he was really efficient. He came in, he got the quick double play to get him out of the inning. Next inning, or he went two innings, he looked really good, only gave up a hit and one strikeout, and threw 16 pitches. So he was arguably their best pitcher all night. I know. I felt a little bit like um, how I did when I watched Cash pull Snell last year. I thought, wait a minute, th- this guy's got it. You know, why, why are you pulling him? What, what's going on here? Are you are you trying to save him for uh, some future game that you hope to win? <laughs> well, well, seriously, man, I'm looking at that, and it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, the the Snell thing may be an exaggeration to look at it from there, but when you're looking at somebody who's who's let's see, six innings pitched, one hit, no earned runs, no walks, and one strikeout. That's that's damn good. I mean, my my only thinking is. He has to be a, a long relief pitcher, or at least he can he can go long innings because it doesn't make sense in the third inning to put in a a shorter relief guy like a setup man that can only throw maybe 20, 25 pitches. Wouldn't you want to have your your guy come in? You see, he, he was working really good. He only gave up one hit over the two innings, and he was very right. efficient. I think you'd want to keep him in as long as you can unless – because they brought in Severino after that, maybe they were hoping he would be an innings eater, but but that didn't work out. No, no, but uh, Clay Holmes, 
you know, I think he was keeping the ball low and the Yankees actually got a double play out of it. You see what in the third, I think with him too. Anyway, well, that's, so I got crazy and crazy and crazier. If we, we look at all the pitchers that the uh, Yankees put up there, the, the last four pitchers, Clay Holmes, Luis Severino, Jonathan Lasagna. I'll say that right. How do you say Jonathan Lasagna? Well, or as John Boy says, lasagna. Chad Green. <laughs> I like lasagna. Yeah, that's why I don't eat those two. <laughs> so they follow Cole with six innings. And during those six innings, they have, let's see, six strikeouts. It's not bad. But then they have three earned runs, five walks, and three hits. Ouch. That's that's not a good outing. And people were talking up this Yankee pitching rotation. It, they didn't show up last night. I know the starters were apparently their strength, but they kind of faltered a little bit down the stretch, and that was led by Cole. And last night they did nothing to help their case. I mean, you said five strikeouts from their bullpen, guys, and they had a total of seven. That That's not going to win you games, especially when nobody except the one guy you only throw let throw 16 pitches is getting guys out quickly and efficiently. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, but you're absolutely right. I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, I've been hearing everybody say bullpen, bullpen, bullpen. Yankees got a strong bullpen. And it was an okay bullpen. I, I thought Holmes brought it and the others, not so much. Uh, if we look at what the Red Sox had with their bullpen, let's see, you got uh, four more came in after Neil, uh, after Nate Yavaldi. And you had Braxler, let's see, uh, Tanner Hawk, Robles, and Whitlock. And between them, they have, let's see. Oh, so Nate, Nate had actually pitched for about six in the third inning, I believe. And a five and a third. Five and a third. Thank you very much. So Nate had uh, pitched five and a third innings. And the folks, the bullpen that came in behind him, they had three strikeouts, two hits, one earned run, and zero walks. You compare that bullpen with zero walks with the Yankees bullpen and five walks, there's a problem. Yeah, the, the bullpen for the Red Sox definitely stepped up and did their job. Now, I will. We'll say this, it could have been a little bit differently if it wasn't for that perfect relay. I believe it was in the sixth inning to nail a judge at home. I mean, the, the inning or game could have been completely different if that relay wasn't executed perfectly and they ended up bringing in a run. Well, let's talk about the top of the sixth. So we started out with, with a home run from Anthony Rizzo. And then, uh, let's see, later judge gets to, was it a, a double? Uh, no, I believe it was a single. He tried single. scoring from first. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. So, judges it first. Okay. He's, he's got a single. Even more of a challenge. But then come up, coming up behind him, we got Mr. Stanton. Mr. I can hit the monster wall. And he does. <laughs> uh, but, again, it looks like this could be a home run. You know, everybody's getting excited about it. Bottom of the sixth. And excuse me, it's, <laughs> everybody's getting excited about it. It's uh, top of the six, and I think there was only one out. Stanton hits that ball, and man, oh man, everybody gets excited. And Judge is coming from first. He hits second. He's going to third. And their third base Yankees coach, with a little caution, starts to wave Judge home. 
And that was like, what are you freaking doing, man? What are you doing? You've only got one out. You know, I think Joey Gallo may have been next up to bat after that. He's not Anthony Rizzo, but he's he's good. And you, you've got two potential outs. So why, why would you go ahead and put Judge at risk? Because then he got thrown out at home. And that was beautiful. I got to say, that was one of the most beautiful plays I've ever seen. Because when Stanton did hit that ball, it actually went out to, I think, was it center field? And then um, Kike Hernandez got it. So Hernandez picks it up. He fires it off on a bounce pitch to Bogarts. Bogarts gets it, throws it in the home, and Judge is gone. Judge is out. Wow. I feel like I'm kind of conflicted on this. I mean, hindsight 2020, it's obviously better that he would have held him up at third. But the more I kind of think of it, if it's a home field advantage, so nobody knows, you know, the angle that the ball is going to come off of that wall better than Hernandez would. So he, and he made a perfect throw to, I believe it was Bogarts that yep. made the throw in. Yep. Yeah. He made the perfect throw to Bogarts. I believe it was a one or two hopper right to him. And then he made a perfect strike to Vasquez at home to get judged by 10 or 15 feet. So I don't think it was like, an offensive call, like some people are saying, like I saw it on Twitter and all over the place last night and this morning. But I just think it was the factors behind it, you know, the angle and the perfect relay that made it so much more. Like it was just a better play defensively than it was offensively. <laughs> and I think if it was anybody else out there, he w- he would have been a run. I think you're right. I, I think this will be one of these that. Uh not just makes the highlights real, but will be one that's in the archives and dug out every year as well when wild cards are played or whenever the Yankees and Red Sox get into postseason play. And, and another thing, the Yankees, they don't really play the small ball game. They don't really do the, the sack fly game. It, they do like the three outcome game where it's either a home or a walk or a strikeout. So I don't know. Maybe that's kind of crept into his mind a little bit. But I mean... It's a do or die game. You got to be aggressive. You got to leave it all out there. But I don't think it was as bad as people are making it out to be. I don't remember the exact stat, but the Yankees are like bottom 10 and sack flies and sacrifice hits. And they're, I believe they're close to bottom five, if not bottom five, in batting average. So they don't really put the ball in play very much and they don't particularly play the small ball sack fly game. You know, maybe that's kind of a little bit down to a philosophy thing as well. Yeah, and that may be yet another reason why the Yankees may be looking at somebody else besides Aaron Boone in the future. But uh, getting past that and going back to the bottom of the sixth, and here we are, Red Sox up, Verdugo up, and he hits out in the right field. Bogarts, who is already out on base, he excuse me, Bogarts, who was already on base, you know, he crosses home standing. Wow. The impact of watching that. That was, that was huge. And Verdugo, again, you know, he, he makes hay again in the bottom of the seventh. He hits again, and he brings in two RBIs with Schwarber and Hernandez. This guy's just amazing. Yeah, he, that was a heck of a night for him. I'm sure that's what he's going to be talking about for a long time. Because, I mean, that big relay play we were just talking about, 
and to have three RBIs to help send your team to the next round of the playoffs, that, that's a really big night. Could be a career highlight, too, or one of them. Yeah, I, I mean, so much of the talk after the game was about Garrett Coe and also about you know what Nate did out there. But, man, oh, man, Vertigo, he really did fantastic out there, man, as far as doing those RBIs and getting at least two hits out of the game. I'm going to pause here for a moment and reflect, reflect, have a, a raised reflection moment. Who was that lineup last night? Former Ray Nate Eovaldi. And the guy who caught the last, <laughs> the guy, where am I? The guy who caught the last fall, uh, fly ball of the game for the Red Sox. He caught that, uh, he, let's see who, Favorite Torres hit out there to right field. And uh, another Ray, Hunter Renfro caught that. And uh, second play, base was being played by another former Ray, Christian Arroyo. So that's my Ray's reflection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good to see them having success, especially Arroyo and Renfro, who really, they just couldn't seem to get comfortable here. And Eovaldi, I've said it on here before, and I've told it to you off air multiple times. He's somebody I wish was still here in a Ray's uniform, especially this year. But he moved on and... Ultimately, I guess it was the best for him because he's he's been really good ever since going back to Boston. It's amazing to see what happens with a lot of these players. As a matter of fact, on a recent baseball biz, I had Matt Germain on here as a guest. And Matt, has, he's so knowledgeable about the Rays. He and I were talking about how you can find Eric Neander's fingerprints everywhere across the MLB. And you know these guys are, are part of that. Man, oh, man. You know, we've, we've got a lot of talent coming up here with the Rays. Room has to be made for them. I don't know what to tell you but that. <laughs> yep. It's, it's, it's the good with the bad. But getting back to the game, bouncing back and forth like a Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Verdugo brought in those extra runs. And then you're saying, oh, my gosh, here we are, bottom of the seventh. The Yankees have two more innings, man. They, they, could, they could still make a difference. But nothing happened again till the, what was the bottom of the ninth? Yeah, it was the top of the ninth, and they brought in, I believe it's Garrett Whitlock. He was actually a former Yankee. He was in their, their farm system. I don't believe he came up and played at the major league level, but he was a former Yankee prospect, and they brought him in to get the, to close him out. And even though it wasn't pretty, he, he was successful in doing that. Well, you know, I, I don't think any of the Yankees had much hope still at that point, but uh, it was good to see him put one more up on the board. Yeah, in, in the ninth, they showed a little bit of fight, but it felt like for the most of the game leading up to that, they kind of just were going out with a bit of a whimper. Hate to say it, but, I mean, that's yeah. just what it felt like. Well, I know Alex Cora and his boys are happy people as well they should be, and it was a good game. It was fun to watch. It was a little sad to watch, too, if you're a Yankee and seeing what happened with Garrett Cole. Uh, don't know what next year will look like. You know, I, I think that maybe there will, they will be under new leadership as management. Now we, we've got the, one of the, we've got the uh, Red Sox going to have to face the Rays here this week, here in Tampa. And if you're trying to watch these games at home, I'm going to give you a quick rundown, too, on the TV schedules. So today, Wednesday, wild card between Cardinals and Dodgers. Let's see the first pitch, uh, hmm. Eastern Time, eight ten, and that's going to be on TBS. The see, Thursday, October seventh, Game One, White Sox and Astros. 
That's going to be at 407 Eastern. And then game one, that's going to be Red Sox <laughs> and Rays. It's 8.07 p.m. Uh, Friday, you're going to find, I won't read the whole list, but what you're going to find is TBS is going to, most of them, there's one or two that are on just the Major League uh, MLB Network. Others that there's one or two on Fox Sports 1. But a lot of good games coming up, a lot of exciting stuff. But today on Wednesday, you're going to again find the National League Wild Card on TBS. And Thursday, you'll see those first two games of the American League Division Series. And that's going to be on Fox Sports 1. I have a maybe it's a little bit of a ridiculous opinion, but wouldn't you why why would you want to put your primetime American League game starting at eight oh seven when on Thursday nights we have Thursday night football going on? I mean I know it's not like Sunday or Monday night football, but it's still the NFL and it's Ram Seahawks, so you got the LA market and the Seattle market, which the LA market is a very big, big market. I believe it's number two in the whole country. Wouldn't you want to at least start the game at seven so you can at least get some of those ratings in? No, I'm being a little bit selfish. I I would like to not have to flip back and forth between games so much, but I guess I'll have to do the picture in picture. But is that like a reasonable or at least an understandable opinion on that i think it's reasonable and i think it's sensible and i think it's why they don't do it um <laughs> you're starting to sound like me geez i know a little, little cynicism a little sarcasm but yeah okay you've got ld what the first game you've got white Sox and astros you're looking at uh, central and west okay uh they're the first game you know the second game eight o'clock is eastern and that's eight o'clock what the hey yeah that that's just goofy uh, I don't know what they're trying to do with that. I, I have no idea what their, their sensibilities were on that. And it looks like most of the other series start at, or most of the other games start at seven until you get to Sunday night going up against Sunday night football. One of the most popular shows on TV in all the world, you're going to have a potential elimination game in Astros Reds or Astros white Sox starting at eight o'clock going up against kickoff. But Maybe this is like people are like, oh, I don't care. I'm going to watch baseball anyway. This is a baseball podcast. But I mean, that's just something I, I look at because I mean, like ratings and scheduling, it, it does fascinate me. And I'd like to think you'd want to go avoid the NFL as much as possible. I know I would. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, but it's seriously, I, I know uh, there's, there's other sports out there and God knows NFL has just wedged itself above. And I look at ESPN, so they don't really get much. Uh, when it comes to, you know, outside of last night's wildcard game, they're not participating in any of these broadcasts because I guess they just get the rights or whatever. So not surprisingly, you don't see anywhere near the amount of coverage like on ESPN uh, about these games or about these teams. Uh, what was it? Stephen A was on this morning, and I think he screamed for about a minute and a half about, you know, the Yankees losing. And after he got done screaming, they were talking about Kyrie, and I wasn't sure if they were saying, Kyrie couldn't attend the next game because, you know, COVID or whatever. <laughs> but it's like, geez, man, these guys, the rest of the show is going to be all about freaking football and basketball. And what kind of basketball <laughs> is going on anyway now? I don't know. Preseason. There you go. Jeez. Man. 
I don't <laughs> but yeah, I, I think they broadcast with blinders on. And I don't know what we can do about that. One fun thing I can say about uh, Wednesday's game here coming up with the Dodgers Cardinals is the referees. Referees. One, one good thing. <laughs> Jeez, Brandon. I'm all you over got the football place. on your mind. I'm all over the place, yeah. But one of the good things I can say about Wednesday's uh, wild card game coming up here with the Dodgers and Cardinals is the umpires. You know, they add a position in the postseason games, but one of those positions is dominated by a historical figure himself and behind the plate. Joe West, or as you say, country Joe West. That's and, right. Yeah, I, I think this will be the last year he graces us with his presence. But we always know there's Angel Hernandez to look forward to. <laughs> I might get you a, a country Joe West album for Christmas. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> You're very welcome. But it is going to be interesting to see uh, when we're looking at who's going to be playing in this Dodgers Cardinal game. And I think there's going to be a couple of old pros on the mound who's going to be there and kind of leading everything off. It's going to be a, a couple of veterans. Got a couple old guys out there on the mound. It looks like it's going to be Max Scherzer. Scherzer. Or Scherzer, I can't speak today. Max Scherzer is out there on the mound for the Dodgers, it looks like. And Mr. Cardinal himself, Adam Wainwright, who... Signing on for another year, at least with the Cardinals, he's going to make the start for the wild card game. So that's a really good pitching matchup. I'm excited to watch that. Yeah, I mean, Scherz has just been unimaginable what he's been able to do this year. So I, I'm really interested in seeing that. And I, and in talking about injuries too, I don't know if you saw the game or at least maybe the excerpt where poor old Max Muncy, he's there with the Dodgers on first the other day, and man, he got his arm hurt while. A, Pardon me. He got his arm hurt while a uh, runner was coming up on first and got it that wedged. Who else is going to be out? I'm trying to think. Seems like there was somebody else on the. Uh, Kershaw is out. I know that. Kershaw. Oh, yeah. Kershaw. Well, you know, in getting into the national wild card, I mean, this was something else. It wasn't necessarily game 163, but I'm trying to say. Once, you know, you and I talked earlier on about the National League, and I thought San Diego had a chance. At the very beginning of the year, I thought San Diego had a chance. But they have not gone in the right direction with that as far as winning for some time. It's hurt. You know, it's hurt them. What can I say? It's hurt them so much that uh, they have a situation where they're already talking, you know, the sort of thing they're talking about there, boom, they've already done with the Padres. Jace Tingler, boom. Mm. Uh, no more tingle. No, no more, no, no more, no more. But uh, <laughs> yeah, right now I know we don't have the final lineup, uh, Brandon. But you had some information on who's who are we looking at that actually playing in the Dodgers Cardinals game tonight? Yeah, this is from an article you sent me by Juan Turibio and Zachary Silver. And Turibio did good work with the Rays here for a while, many years ago. So it's good to see him still out there. But looking at the Mets, this is all projected. It looks like it's going to be Mookie Betts leading off, playing right. Corey Seager at short, Trey Turner second, Will Smith catching, hitting fourth, Justin Turner hitting fifth, playing third, A.J. Pollock out in left, Chris Taylor in center, Cody Bellinger at first, and Max Scherzer batting ninth, and he'll be the starting pitcher. And for the Cardinals, leading off, you have Tommy Edmond playing second base, Paul Goldschmidt at first, Tyler O'Neill left, Nolan Arenado at third, Dylan Carson in right, Yadier Molina playing catcher, 
Edmund Sosa at short, Harrison Bader in center, and Adam Wainwright batting ninth and starting. Wow. And, you know, you look at either one of those teams, and it's just amazing. I, I had Matt Germain. I was talking about him earlier. I had him on the other day. And one of the things he says, Mark, I, just, I don't want to see the Dodgers there. I really don't. And he says, you know, they, they buy their team. And they did. You know, of course, you could say maybe the, I would have thought the Yankees did as well, but they didn't have the, the good fortune that they were looking for with that. The, these are good teams. These are great pitchers. And, you know, looking at, I don't have everything in front of me on shirts, but I know that Wainwright, I think he, his season this year is he's 17 and seven and a 3.08 ERA. Uh, so it's going to be see, you know, interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited for this one. Probably more excited for this one than the AO game last night. Because, I mean, we have the consistently hot Dodgers team. Won like 106 games and is playing in a wild card. Going up against the Cardinals who were banged up most of the year. And we didn't get really, really get to watch them very much, unfortunately. But now we get to. And they, they got healthy the last month and a half, two months of the season. And that's when they really went on their run. I believe they're still on a 17-game win streak. So I'm really excited for this game. And call me Stephen A., but I think the winner of this game will represent the NL in the World Series. I can, I can see that very much so. And uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm pulling for the Cardinals because I, too, am not a big fan of, of what's going on in the National League with the Dodgers and the money that's thrown at it. But you know, it's a, the crazy thing, too, is when you look at this and you say, what was happening in the American League and National League before we got here? We've got what? We had a, a team that had 107 wins, the Giants. We had a team that had 106 wins, the Dodgers. And you you look across the American League, outside of the Tampa Bay Rays, there's nobody who crested at 100, and Tampa just barely did. The the other division leaders, 95 and 93 wins, and the other National League winners, uh, Milwaukee with 95 and Atlanta with 88. Some question if there's a fairness to this. And I, I, the fairness is you're fighting in your own division. And you can say the National League West is a hard division to fight, but you got two teams that came up with 107 and 106 wins. wins pardon me. That wild card is going to be played between a, a team that has 106 and another one has 90. But I mean, Cardinals I, I, are just exploding. Yeah, I, I think so too. Go ahead. I apologize for interrupting you, but I mean, I'm I'm fine with what they they do. Although I I did love what the NHL did a few years ago, up until they changed it, where it was pretty much you have the top eight teams of each conference mixed in, and that's how you seed them. But obviously, I I don't want eight teams per league in baseball making the playoffs. That'd be probably be atrocious most yeah. of the time. But I mean, I think this is fun. You have 162 games. And so you really can't complain too much because you play each other a million times. It feels like feels like you're playing each other every week. So if you want the home field advantage, if you want to not have to play in the wild card game, you have to beat the other team that is good. So, I mean, I'm perfectly fine with the current system. I don't think it's going to change. And likewise myself, sometimes I think maybe there should be a three game wild card, but uh, the excitement that came from last night just couldn't be matched. Okay, you think so, that the, oh, no, please. Oh, I'm sorry for interrupting you again, but do you think that the wild card game is so exciting 
because it feels like that game is so important. And there's like so much time throughout the baseball season where there's not really a whole lot of important games. Do you feel like that plays in into the excitement factor? I think that's a good point because I, I think that's the same way I felt on Sunday at three o'clock when all those teams are playing. You have to win and the others have to lose for you to advance. And there's a lot of excitement about that. I, th- I think you're right. There's certainly going to be more excitement with that one wild card game. And there certainly was last night. Well, that being said, you got any other goodies that uh, you want to share with us today? Any other insights we should look at? No, I, I believe we got all of our bases covered for this show. Okay, let's see. So, folks, just a reminder, the National League wild card games tonight. And that's Wednesday, 8 o'clock Eastern time. Jeez. <laughs> Man, I like to get my sleep. And that's going to be on TV at Wednesday at 8 o'clock at Eastern time on TBS. So you've been listening to Baseball Biz. As always, you can find us on your favorite podcast directory, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and more. Thanks again. And remember, you can also check us out on Twitter at TheBaseballBiz. Take care and have a great week. Special thanks to X-Take RUX for the music rocking forward. <laughs>